Hello everybody, I'm Josh, and this is City Watch's American Citizens. Welcome back everyone. Today is going to be a very brief preview of the Borussia Mönchengladbach game. Uh, I'm pleased to be joined by Mr. Howard Hawken himself. Howard, how are you doing today, man? Excited? Uh, yeah, uh, very good to be on the show. Uh, yeah, should be a very interesting match, isn't it? You don't get a break. <laughs> Still celebrating the derby, but there's there's no time to celebrate, really, is there? So. No, no, it sucks. It's like you get, <laughs> you got to celebrate it for like a half a day, and then the first thought into your mind is like, oh, yeah, Pep Guardiola's 0 for 4 against this team. Now what? Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's start off there, though, because I feel like that's as good a place to start against anyone. Pep's record against Gladbach is not the best, and City really had to work hard against them, especially in that final game. Uh, some might even say they got a bit lucky relying on Borussia Mönchengladbach's tendencies to ship goals in the last 15. I kind of remember the announcer actually cursing them. Like, he said it in the beginning of the game, like around the 40-minute mark. And sure enough, like, they shipped those two goals right at the end of it. Um, how much should we read into Pep's past against Borussia Mönchengladbach? Uh, personally, I, I don't. Uh, put a lot of weight on past history, uh, especially when you look at he's changed leagues, he's changed team. Uh, obviously, they've changed manager. I think it was before they played us last season, but only just. Uh, they've lost players during the season. We've added players. You know, so many things changed that uh, we can't be complex, irrelevant of past history and his record. We can only judge on the teams and his tactics now, and obviously. We can't be complacent anyway, even if he'd had a perfect record. Uh, I think we can. I am kind of expecting a lot of what we saw last season. I think they will be dangerous on the break. Uh, I'm not an expert on all the players, I admit, but they were very, very dangerous. I think they will look to counter. Stendhal and Raphael in particular. Yeah. Uh, they will have chances, but I think we'll have more. So unless we're very wasteful. I'm quietly confident, but yeah, there's nothing nothing to be complacent about here. It's the Champions League. Uh, they absolutely, I think it was young boys, isn't it? They got through the qualifier very, very easily. A uh, bit early in the league to be, set, you know, to see how how they're shaping up there or what sort of team are going to have this season. So they're a bit of an unknown in that because you know when the you're at the beginning of the domestic season, it's hard to gauge form. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a tough test. So you would hope that the players are fully focused now, have moved on from the weekend, are fully focused on what's coming up. Yeah, I completely agree, especially with Bundesliga. I remember two years ago, Dortmund just was butt to start the season, but in Champions League, I, no, nobody could explain it. They were thrashing yeah. teams in Champions League, but couldn't win a damn game against, you know... Hoffenheim in, in yeah. the Bundesliga. Given that you you mentioned tactically, now I thought partly in in you know Damo touched on this in in uh, uh, the four four two podcast, but there were plenty of times in the derby where where City looked to work on the counter and they had three on four chances, three on two chances, and and just basically fluffed them. Um, how do you predict City will line up? Do you think that 
this is the day we're gonna see Gundawan. Uh, uh, trying to uh, trying to call his lineups is tough. Yeah, yeah. If I'm going to guess, I would say. I mean, my guess is I haven't thought about it. I think he'll keep central defence as it is, and of course the keeper. Uh, I think he may swap fullbacks because he's he, he has a tendency to do that. Uh, and you know, especially when you're playing midweek. You're playing once a week, it's less likely to do that. I think Gundogan might come in, yeah. But if you're saying, well, who who <laughs> drops out? I can't see him dropping Fernandinho, to be honest. It could even be Silva. With the, um, but uh, then again, he was so brilliant at the weekend. I, all you can say is they'll be monitoring the players. They'll be looking at how fit they are. They measure everything. If there's any player that's you know, just about 3% down on energy-wise, who's not as fresh as a daisy, they could be the one to put to fall by. But otherwise, you could pick anyone. My personal hunch is that Sane might play and I think Sterling might drop out. I think Because I think Nolito will play and Aguero will, of course. But you really, honestly, you could just... It's tossing the coin sometimes. And I'd be happy, I'd be happy with any of those combinations, to be honest. So what do you think? Do you think... Gundogan starts. So. Well, I, I've been interested about this, and I'm glad you brought up Sané, because Gray and I were talking about that on our podcast, that given Raheem Sterling's performance against the Derby, one might be able, and, and, and it's, you know, it's not totally fair to say that he had, had a crap performance, because everything seemed to be literally funneled through the left-hand side in the Lido, yeah. and that also seemed to be Jose Mourinho's strategy as well was to try and get them to funnel everything in through Nolito, where he had Bai and Fellaini, in theory, you know, two six foot four guys covering the small Spaniard. It just didn't work out that way. But I've often been wondering because Pep's like to experiment with double pivots before. Like you, I thought Silva might be the guy to come out. And then you put De Bruyne in, in that central number 10 role, let yeah. him have it by himself, bring Sané in, who's more than familiar with him, like you said, to replace Sterling, and then possibly look at a double pivot of Gundogan and, uh, as you said, Fernandinho. Yeah. Does, does, does that sound as plausible as anything you could come up with? That makes sense to me, yeah. And okay. be, a, be a team I'd be happy with. There you go. It may also a tiny little factor, and it probably means absolutely nothing. Sane and Gundogan obviously uh, know the league, don't they? Yeah. They know the league. They know the league of their opposition. So that's part of our thinking, really. What behind that is that they've they've got this understanding, especially of what Gladbach will be trying to do, and why not use that if you have it? It, it just it just, it makes sense, which is probably why Pep won't do it. Yeah, well, well, the other thing is, I think we both agree, this is essentially as important as Saturday's match. It may not have the hype or whatever. Uh, losing the fourth game of the league season is not really the end of the world. It's the derby, so it's bragging rights, it's all the hype and whatnot. But no one's been mortally wounded by the result on Saturday. United haven't been. This is a home to you know, a home game in a six-game league, and we really could do with winning it tonight. And the, my only thought is he may... He may try and stick to a same team and not want to make changes for that reason. But you, you can't second guess it. Because of the group, because like just just looking at the group, like I mean, look, all right, Celtic in theory should 
be a winnable game. But you look at yeah. this group, it's hard not to say, even with Gladback's maybe poor start to the season, it's really hard to look at this group and say, I'm absolutely positive it's going to be Barca, and we know Barca's likely going through, maybe. I mean, Alaves, if if they were in the group, we might have something to worry about or be yeah. hopeful for. But I, I just assume that it's going to be Barca and somebody. Do you think that City can actually win this group, given that Pep? He did split the series with them. I mean, he, he beat them. Uh, when they went to the now camp, I believe it was just he couldn't overcome the aggregate. Well, of course we can win it uh, because the Champions League. You know, if you look at results, Celtic have beaten Barcelona before. Uh, Gladbach could, in theory, uh, get a, a result at home to Barcelona, for example. You just they're obviously favourites. The one, the greatest side in the world. One of you know, it's, we can debate that <laughs> endlessly. Uh, but we were obviously capable of it. One goal from beating Munich in their league group, and but we are the underdogs. So, but the way obviously we saw last year that winning the group was important about getting a slightly easier passage through. Mm. But there's new the new seedings this year, and some, there's two other groups that are really tough. You could win your group and get you know someone like Dortmund, and you'd be no better off. So whilst we want to win the group. I think I didn't you know, think PSG the essential thing was... is just it's just to get the top two because yeah you might get lucky anyway so yeah I, I honestly I I think myself and Gray both said that we didn't expect City to get past Paris Saint Germain but yeah. maybe maybe in retrospect that was a foolhardy uh, <laughs> prediction um so if if City are going to get all three points today. Who has to have a standout game? Who who do you think is going to have to step up and excel? Uh, well, again... Silly we question. Really, we don't really know the front line, but if De Bruyne is as good as he was at the weekend, then we obviously stand an excellent chance. And at the end of the day, Aguero's back, uh, and if he's sharp, I, I'm, I'll be very confident there. Very confident. Again, it's a it's a case we saw. Yeah, we discussed this on on the uh, City Watch podcast. We were wasteful on Saturday, so I don't think there's one person who has to excel. I think I wasn't too worried about the wastefulness on Saturday, maybe because we got away with it partly, and also because I see I see the seeds there as something a lot bigger. Uh, but I don't think in the Champions League we really we really have to be a bit more clinical. So I'm not going to pick a person. I think the key is. We have to take a greater percentage of our chances and we have to break, be more intelligent when we break. Uh, if we do that, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, I, I, I kind of look at those those breaks that, that City had on the counter and I'm thinking if if those are pulled off with a bit more grace and, and intelligence... United, I, honestly, if United doesn't get that freak goal at the end of it, I think City build up the confidence coming out of halftime, and, and the yeah. game looks closer to six-one. I think that, I think that goal shook Bravo a little, and understandably so, man. Like it's a huge game to be dumped into, and yeah. I can't imagine being the guy who almost lost it. You know, we're almost fluffed the three points, like. 
had Zlatan not let his ego get in the way and put any kind of effort into that second shot, like that John Stones just stopped by putting his foot down, the game does end 2-2, you know? I mean, I guess it could have gone any different direction, but they don't have a Zlatan on Borussia Mönchengladbach. So what I would ask is what concerns you most about them? Does anyone or anything that they do well concern you? Uh, I'll be honest. (laughs) It's the carefree way they play football in a way that concerns me. And sometimes, I mean, in the past, a lot of this has played into City's hands Teams that open up get ripped apart by City. Teams that put 10 men behind the ball are often uh, very difficult to score against. It's where we come unstuck. So in a way, a team like uh, Gladbach, they're going to be high. They're going to have a high line as well. So they are going to be pressing us. So now there's not one player. uh, It's more a team effort. They don't have a standout superstar, as far as I'm aware. Uh, they've lost the captain, of course, to Arsenal. They've lost a the player, but they've replaced them. Got Hazard's brother, of course, on the wing. He got a hat-trick in the qualifiers, but Danny only got six goals last year, so has he come of age? We just, I don't, you know, we don't know enough about these players, really, to know are they going to do it all season. I'm, I'm concerned because I do think they have an attacking threat, but that should leave them open. That should really leave them open for us to destroy them. Is the it break. a bit like playing poker against somebody who has no idea what they're doing? Because I was explaining that to my roommate the other night. Like, we, we were we were talking about sort of the CM Punk fight at <laughs> the UFC and, and how it yeah. went down. And I'm like, it's one of those things where I think if you're the other guy, the, the guy's so new at what he's doing and so carefree, careless, and and unorthodox, it's not really regimented, that you run the risk of of just getting caught because you're like, wait, what? No, no, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this is supposed to work. But that's how some of those teams thrive, is in that unpredictable and unconventional manner. And and is that what you're thinking Borussia Mönchengladbach can do here? Yeah, very much so. But I would say... We have the one manager who will have done his homework. So, irrelevant if he's not had a great record in the past, he'll know every player on the opposition side inside out. He'll know the formation they're likely to play. I don't think they're going to suddenly spring probably some diamond, and they'll you know they'll be looking to soak up pressure. Uh, so, uh, you know, Guardiola will have done his homework, won't he? So, you know, maybe just because they're not superstar names, he'll know. I'm sure he's watched enough videos of them to know what to expect. Well, let's get into some fan questions for you before we get you out of here, because I know you got a long day of, uh, I assume you're headed out to the game. I can't see why you wouldn't. I am, yes. Uh, all right, so Amit wanted to know, we've usually tailed off in terms of performance and pressing around the second and a half of the game. Is this something to cause worry, Or and I'm adding this, or is this something that players are going to get better and better at as they, as their fitness routines, I guess you could say, develop as the season grows. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident it's the latter. It has been a cause of concern. Uh, no, you know, on two occasions, say the Stoke game, the West Ham game, 
it's a goal that Rattle does. Against United, it was a goal that Rattle does in the first half. And for five minutes, we were all over the place. It was uh, like carnage. Uh, yeah, it's something that needs looking at. We do, uh, but I, I don't think it's going to be a problem in a year's time or even six months' time. So, And we're still winning games. So it's one it's one minor issue. So, uh, no, I do agree. I mean, there's been distinct patterns in quite a lot of the games. So, you know, the psychological aspect to it as well, the second half against United, you knew they were going to come out strong, even though, you know, it's just a continuation of play in, in a way. And yet the break can make such a difference to how teams, you know, play, especially when one's dominated and not put a game to bed. So the psychological issue for me as well, but the more they play, the less I think that would be an issue. And the more, the more the less wasteful they are, and the more they get used to each other's positions, then I don't think there'll be a, an opportunity for visitors to have to uh, supply a wobble to us. So, yeah, a minor issue for me, no, nothing more, but time will tell. Well, now I'm glad you you brought up performances and personnel because our good friend Hans Elmeester wants to know. And after Otamendi's performance and kind of seeing the way he's thrived under Guardiola and how Kolarov has, I man, I Kolarov deserves his own <laughs> podcast. Let's just be real. Yeah, but if if. <laughs> With a hundred percent health, who is your first choice back for? Happy for the youngsters, but I hope they don't get crowded out. And that's that was Hans's question. And I realize that's a pretty tough one. It is a tough one. Uh, uh, God, I mean, well, the big there's so many questions there because when company comes back, does he go into the team? Uh, we don't know what he's like at the moment. We, yeah, we don't know what we're getting back with him. Right now, it's Sanya at right back. Otamendi and Stones look superb for me. And that you know, that's a real partnership developing, I think, that could develop. And at the moment, Kolarov at left back, and I can't believe I'm saying that. But there's not much in it, you know. You know, Zabaleta, I'm not convinced his legs have gone yet. Clichy offers different things to Kolarov. They've always had the pros and cons. But at the moment, it's it's color of Otamendi, Stones, Sanya for me. Uh, but if company comes in, then obviously that could be a replacement for Otamendi. But it's not a case of dropping players. It's a case that I've said you know, before, it's, it's rotation. That if company's fit, I can't see him playing more than one game a week anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's a case of using these players over up to 60 game season and keeping, you know, not dropping people, rotating, keeping them fresh as he may do today. And he certainly will do at the weekend. I think and it's just, yeah, I'm not sure there's an obvious first, not even defense. I'm not sure there's an obvious first 11. Maybe there's about four or five players who are very obvious, but it all depends. Beyond that, you don't really on, know. Yeah. It depends on fitness, depends on the tactics, the opposition, uh, so yeah, it's good to have these choices, though, isn't it? So. Right, it's it's a it's a comfort. I can't count the number of times I've read an article this year that said something about Pep Guardiola having a headache. He's had Pep Guardiola has had more positive headaches this year than anybody in the history of mankind. Like yeah. I don't, I I want those kind of beneficial headaches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. 
adding to that, I just want to toss in. Um, there, there were several kids who were handed their first team promotion uh, by Guardiola. Obviously, uh, Tosin got in there. Pablo and Angelino were promoted, and Angus Gunn got promoted as well. I think there was one other name. Am I missing somebody? I'm uh, missing somebody. Aren't yeah, it? I can't think who it is at the moment. Alex Garcia, center midfield. Okay. Um, what do you make of those promotions? This is my question. And, and I mean, are you, are you 100%? I, I'm as big of a Tosin fan as anybody in the world. So yeah. I love the fact that he's in there. But what do you make about Gunn getting promoted? Uh, again, I mean, I've not seen a lot of him, but I mean, he played recently for the under-21 Superb. He's graduated to that, their team. I'm not sure if he's permanent first choice or not. I think he may be. He obviously, again, are we talking the question of style? That he's he's a type of keeper that he uh, that you can see developing. We know he loves developing youth, so it's not that big a surprise, really. You know, if Gun if he sees something Gun that he can play the way Bravo plays now, then. Yeah, it's it's excellent news, but we can't. It's not a surprise, really, is it? We knew from the preseason the, which players he was, young players he was, you know, got an affinity to, and by the, the amount of time he got on the pitch, it's just good. It's good to see it confirmed and have them promoted because I think as all fans we do want to see a youth presence around the squad. I don't know how many games they'll get. It might not be much, but it's great for their development. Uh, we've got the league, the EFL Cup coming up next week, and I would really want to see some of these players featuring because I want to see them in that cup more than the senior players. So, yeah, it's great, and it's not a surprise because we know Pep likes working. He likes developing the player rather than working with complete ones in a way. So, Yeah, I remember the exact quote was he just, like, he can grab them by the scruff of the neck and just, you know, use them. They're malleable for him, whereas... Yeah old players tend to be set in their ways. Now I'm yeah. gonna come a bunch of great questions and I'm I'm super glad actually that David Steersman tossed this one in because I was actually half tempted to ask you one day. So what Dave wants to know is how do you prep slash organize your retweet library to <laughs> unleash on all those quote prophetic unquote fans journos? And he added in there, please do not stop with an exclamation point. I think he's just interested in the process of this. Basically, firstly, I spent too long on Twitter. Uh, and secondly, when I see something, I just add it to favorites. And very occasionally, and I just tend to remember things. So you, you just remember some of the. There's always about once a week and a, a piece of journalism that's just so terrible that you know, <laughs> you just know that one day you're going to be coming back to it, and it kind of sticks in your mind. Just the terrible things about Yaya Torre being a mercenary and wasting money, and you know, and you add them to favourites. And when things happen and Torre scores a hat trick or something or wins a cup final, you you tend to remember them, but. When I'm really bored late at night, occasionally I just scroll through my favourites on Twitter, and it's it's not difficult because you only have to spend one day on Twitter and you'll see the amount of rubbish that's there. And I'm sure I've said a bit of it as myself. So oh, dude, everybody has, man. I just <laughs> go back and look through some of my old predictions. Yeah. Like, and I, I, I must I must say I always retweet them 
I mean, no one knows why I retweet them. I don't put a message, but I always do it with a smile on my face. I'm not looking to attack people. Maybe a couple of exceptions there, but mostly I'm doing it. I think we know who those Because as you say, we've all made some terrible predictions in our time, but that's football for you, isn't it? Well, I think my biggest problem with the British media isn't the bad predictions. It's when I read shit that says... You know, Kevin De Bruyne confirms he's staying at Wolfsburg. And still go in there, and in the article, it says, no decision has been made on his future. And I'm sitting there thinking, how on God's green earth did the editor decide that that lead was acceptable when in the article, it clearly, he's quoted as saying, there is no decision. Therefore, he cannot have confirmed a damn thing. You've answered your own question now, because you went into the article, didn't you? And, and sadly, that is pretty much what a lot of British journalism is now. It simply clicks. So, and it's not all the journalists' fault. It's just newspapers are dying. The print, you know, physical print is dying in this country. So, it's all online. It's all about getting people to click that button. So, a bit of artistic license is used a lot of the time. And it's sad because you know it's not what it was. But if you look hard enough, there's still you know it gives. The internet's given us access to other people we'd never have seen, and there's lots of quality stuff out there. You just have to sift through it, basically. So, totally agree. Um, I'm not sure how much time you even really need to spend on this one because I think we answered it during the course of the podcast. But I hate being that guy who doesn't ask questions when when people send them in. And Matt Hayes wanted to know, after the emotional win at Old Trafford, are you worried? I guess this is a slightly different question. He said, are you worried that today could be considered, you know, we use the term trap game here in America? Is that, does that mean uh It's sort of like a, you, a slip up, yeah. Yeah, well, it's like you had a tough opponent before. You've yeah. got a game ahead. Now, I don't think Bournemouth, in a perfect world, a trap game would be something like having Manchester play, playing United, then playing Gladbach, and then having to go to Chelsea. And yeah. you just have that game where you don't know how it could go either way slacked in, and the team could be caught looking forward or backward at an emotional win or loss. Yeah. That's the theory behind Trap Game. It's, it's not perfect. You, prefer, you want all your big games to be before or after small games, so to speak. You want everything spread out. I'm not too concerned. I mean... I think Guardiola has said this is an important game. He's well aware, and I don't. I think the players are professional enough. They're not going to be going out celebrating the fourth game of the season win. They'll know. They'll have the night. You know, they'll celebrate, so to speak, and then Sunday it's back on it. Uh, I'm not too concerned. There's a big debate in this country about our FA. I mean, there's a there's a science side to this, the body side, that you know. The human body should always have three days rest between physical activity to the level these players are doing. So, really, City should have been playing tomorrow, but our FA, other countries' FAs do actually help out their clubs. They'll let, you know, they've let like Madrid play on a Friday night or something. In this country, it's probably seen as helping out the big clubs. So, so you know, fans of other clubs might not like it. So, basically, there's, you know, we saw how. City through the FA Cup last year because of the fixtures. It would have helped to play tomorrow uh, for total rest for the players. But I've no doubt, I'm not concerned, the players will be focused on tonight. Uh, 
not no problem about that for me. But but before the last question that I'm going to ask you, which is just perfect to get out of here on, do you think in any way, shape, or form that part of the FA's jackassery this season has been born out of that perceived disrespect of Pellegrini playing like what amounts to an EDS squad? Uh, no, I mean they're not. This is their their policies for everyone. So. I mean, we, 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 I know we've been tweeting videos of, of Zlatan's rather impressive WWE elbow on Otamendi. And then uh, there's Valencia, it's either Valencia or Bayi, I can't, I think it's Valencia who's kicking out at uh, Otamendi. Um, and then, you know, you. Uh, have, Bailey, Bailey should have considered a penalty. Yeah. Uh, then Kolarov. I mean,. Are they really fair in what they do? <laughs> uh, I don't think there's... No, no, they're not fair. I, it's not just the FA. This, there's a real flaw in the rules, basically, and we could go on for hours about this because it is a very... Uh, it's a topic that gets a lot of debate. Basically, I vehemently disagree with the process that if a referee has seen something, then it's deemed uh, as over. We should accept... Referees are human. They're dealing with very fast, 22 athletes on a pitch. They're human. They'll make mistakes. They'll miss stuff. Whether they saw something at the time, whatever goes in their report, everyone, you know, something bad's happened. It should be dealt with after if it's not been dealt with during the match. And it shouldn't depend on a referee pretending to have seen something or saying that it has something. And that's where all the inconsistencies come from. Sometimes referees just happen not to have seen something that we all know they have seen. And he saw... I think it was Mariner once it saw he must have seen Aguero and Reed no, Tuscan for that to have seen that. He's got to have seen it. For him not to say it, that's what annoys people. It should not matter. It should not all be dependent on what he puts in his report because what happened happened and there should be a set. There's a lot of grey lines, obviously, where where an elbow starts and ends. But And that's the problem. It's the retrospective. And it's also the biggest problem here. It's all media-led. Mm. So after... after uh, Sergio Aguero scored second goal against Stoke, headed it in. You won't have seen it on the telly, but as he wheeled away, he bumped into Glenn Whelan, a Stoke player. Glenn Whelan threw a full punch at him uh, and missed completely. But it's still full of... You won't know that. It's not been in the news. It's not been mentioned. There's no... But here, Sky Sports News, they just like to go with stuff. And when they go with stuff, you know a charge is coming for a player. So it's media-led. That's the problem. We need the FA need to act consistently, whether you're a big club, small club, medium club, third division, Premier League, just consistency and the same rules for everyone. That's all we need. So, But we just don't get it. It's part of being a big club now. You get bigger scrutiny, more media analysis, and you get basically events get blown up out of all proportion. But I guess you have to put with it for being in spotlight. So. And I think this is the perfect question to get out of here on. I don't know that it requires really any thought process. Our good buddy Mike Devlin (laughs) wants to know how much exactly how much beer should I consume before, during, and after the match today? Well, it's not for me to tell him that, is it? <laughs> well, see, here's my... It's a 12... It's, what Shortly what after, kick off for, for you guys tonight? Uh, quarter to eight in the evening, so... Uh, well, I'll be drinking about an hour, so... <laughs> 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 uh, 
but afterwards, it's such a pain to get back in the middle of a week from a match at City that there really isn't time if you have to work the next day to drink much. So, uh, and it often depends on the results. So, it might have to drown our sorrows. So, yeah, totally understood. See, the problem with uh, like Derby Day kickoffs is that there's only so much drinking you can do before noon yeah. without risking that hot sun pass out and <laughs> missing the game. I've done that far too many times at college football. So, I definitely, Mike, I say. Depending on kickoff time and and your level of interest in seeing the end of the game. We'll save five pints before the match. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair amount. Well, I think half hour right on the dot is what we said. So before we get you out of here, do you have any final thoughts and let people know where they can find you on social media? Well, can I just say you can't drink during the match either because this is a, a European match, of course. But No, they don't allow beer during European matches? Uh, oh, no, no. Oh, well. Not at all, no. I did not know that. Away from the ground, obviously. We're not in it. So <laughs> uh, I should also mention it's about 80 degrees here, bizarrely, even though it's autumn. Uh, and we're on the edge of thunderstorms, so that could make the match even more interesting. So I'm I'm hoping it's passed over, though, by the time the match arrives because we really don't want to be playing in those conditions so no especially not with the uh with the type of football that city are expected to play but i don't think it's going to be 80 degrees for a city home match in september so it's a hundred still here so i'll trade you this is the hottest day in english in the hottest day in south of england today in in history in september so damn there you go. Uh, as for social media, I'm, I'm HowieHawk34 on Twitter. And that's, well, pretty, that's where I spend most of my life. So uh, I, I do occasionally write. I write for City Watch and obviously do the podcast. But I do have a website that I occasionally do, uh, standingalone.co.uk. So. And I encourage everyone to check that out and do check out all of the City Watch podcast, of which... We are now a member and couldn't be more thrilled to be partnering with you guys. Uh, But, uh, Howard, man, I I, want to be timely here, let you get out of here. I thank you so much for your time, and uh, we will catch you next time, brother. Yeah, good to speak to you as well. All right, good luck at the game. Yeah. All right, and that's been this perform or this episode of American Citizens presented by City Watch and our Borussia Mönchengladbach preview we will catch you next time <laughs>